Let's talk about it. 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount+. Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount+. Plus. Something else is coming, right? It changed. Uh, All right, 302. I don't know this one. 877-337-6666. All right, that's a good vibe at 3 o'clock in the morning. It's kind of got a weekend vibe to it. Not the uh, time of week, but the, the artist. Rolling down your window. This is the movie scene right here. Listen to the WFA in the background. You... I feel like I should know who it is now that you say that, but I don't. No, you should. I don't know who it is. Is it Abba? He's going to become a big uh, R.J. Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly fan. Oh, it's along just, with yeah. the other teams he roots for. Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm, I'm not a big Drake guy, although I've seen, and not, not that I dislike Drake. I'm, I'm just, I don't know. Um, not a huge Drake guy, but uh, I have seen him all over the place betting on roulette. Like, have you seen him? Like, he's, he shows up on my my Instagram feed. He shows up on YouTube when I'm searching for stuff. I'm trying to figure out how you to make... weird targeted ads, man. I, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm trying to... Because, you know, I don't know. I was uh, I watch, uh, I was watching something on, on Blackjack before I went to Vegas, so now I get gambling stuff uh, occasionally. And he's, like, betting crazy amounts of money. He bets crazy amounts of money on, on, on uh, roulette. And he films it, I guess. He's putting out the content. It's not. It's not like people are there with a with a camera phone. Like he's actually putting out something. He's betting ridiculous amounts of money on on roulette and other and other gambling stuff and doing um, you know blackjack and whatever else. But I'm like honestly, I'm just I'm trying to figure out some dishes I can make with cauliflower rice. And suddenly there's Drake, you know, betting six hundred thousand dollars on twenty four. Like it's just weird, but but I mean, like, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't understand it. But yeah, he's a he's a big gambler, that Drake. Why not? You got it, flaunt it, right? That's what uh, Nathan Lane says in the producers. You got it, flaunt it. Eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. Unfortunately, Saquon Barkley has it, but he hasn't been able to flaunt it because. The Giants don't want to pay him. And so here we are again as the team is meeting the media for the last time of the season, really, before the season ends in a game against the Philadelphia Eagles to end the year, which we'll get more into tomorrow on a football Friday. I got you for five hours on a football Friday, a five-hour midnight ride, so we'll get more into the actual game and my thoughts on it. And, I mean, the rest of the NFL, geez, who's playing? Everybody's there's like a couple of games that have that have impact, namely the the Bills and the Dolphins for the AFC East, which I find fascinating. And I, I should I wanted to take the Bills so bad. I think they were like like two or three weeks ago they were plus like twelve they were plus twelve hundred or something to win that division. I I I had a, I should have done it instead of betting Josh Allen to win the MVP like an idiot. Although I I think he had a decent chance, and then Lamar went off. But like the, every everyone's not playing. Like nobody's playing. Everyone everyone's taking the week off. You're gonna get a a, a couple of meaningful games. Jacksonville. Uh, so that that the NFC the AFC South the AFC East a couple of meaningful games. But most of the part, no one's playing. 
But uh, Saquon Barkley, again, obviously talking to the media and giving you his same, what he's given you really the last year. Prior to this year, it was, I want to be a giant. I want to be a giant for my for my career. It's the only place I want to be, blah, 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 blah. We get it. And I don't, I don't mean to blah, 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 blah it, meaning that he doesn't actually mean it. I'm sure he does. I'm sure he'd want to be a giant. And I think the Giants want him to be a giant, but unfortunately, here lies the rub. He is a running back, and the running back value isn't there. And so I expect them to do the same thing they did last year. I fully expect Saquon Barkley to be tagged and not given a contract. And quite frankly, I don't think he should be given a contract. If I'm the Giants, I'm not giving him one. I would not give Saquon Barkley another contract. I'd tag him, and if he plays great again this year, try and maybe, I'd, maybe I'll try and give him a contract, but honestly, I'd probably just let him walk. If I couldn't come to a contract with him a couple years ago, I'm not doing it now. He's franchise tagged. He's at the perfect position with a franchise tag. The money doesn't hurt you that bad. Even doing it twice doesn't hurt you that bad. I am, I am tagging Saquon Barkley, and then I'm probably looking for another running back next year. That's what I'm doing if I'm the New York Giants. It's a crappy business. I feel bad for him. I said yesterday, and I mean this. And and I was surprised he didn't hold out last year. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if he holds out this year, nor would I blame him in the slightest. I was shocked that he didn't hold out last year. And pleasantly surprised. I mean, really, just uh, that, I, I was surprised. I know he wants to be a Giant. I know he didn't want to make a, a stink of it. And I know he wants to play. I was very impressed with him not holding out. Because, again, especially the running back position, I mean, they literally put their bodies on the line. They literally put their bodies on the line. We've seen running backs uh, throughout history. I mean, Earl Campbell comes to mind, too. I, he was in here once a, a bunch of years ago to do an interview. And I've, it's, football took a toll on him. And these guys put their lives on the line. So I will never begrudge a player who thinks they deserve more money than they're getting paid. Never, ever. And I feel for Saquon Barkley. I do. I feel bad for him. It sucks. They, especially the running back position. They overuse you. You're, you're integral to the team. You touch the ball more, almost more than anyone besides, obviously, the center and the quarterback. But you, you're constantly getting touches, especially for him. He's the impact player of the offense, certainly without a quarterback. Um except maybe for a couple of weeks last year at the end of the season with Daniel Jones. But for the most part, Saquon Barkley's been the offense for this team, and I feel terrible for him. And I do think he's a very good running back, but he's a running back. And it would be detrimental to the team. As much of a leader as he is, as important as he is, as a good a guy as he is, as a talented as a running back as he is, it would be detrimental to the team to now give a running back on year number seven and eight a contract. It doesn't make any sense. The time to give him a contract was last year. The time to give him a contract is no longer. You franchise tag him for one more year, and then I probably let him go. If he's willing to take some sort of really extreme team-friendly deal because he's unsure of the market and doesn't want to leave and loves being a giant, if he's willing to take some sort of team-friendly deal, all right, I'd consider it. I'd consider it. But other than that, unfortunately for Saquon Barkley, and, you know, again, he just hasn't impacted winning. Like, that's how I just feel about it. Like, any of these players, like, let's be honest, any of them, the only, they, they get one pro bowler in um, Dexter Lawrence. 
Uh, you could make a Bobby Okereke. He got snubbed a little bit, but he plays in a an, the NFC where they have a, a bunch of middle linebackers who are not just Pro Bowlers but Hall of Famers. So he missed out on the Pro Bowl. But really, who are Pro Bowlers on this team? So they get one Pro Bowler. So besides really Dexter Lawrence, and I guess Andrew Thomas is probably a perennial uh, Pro Bowler. He just he missed too much time this year. But like besides Dexter Lawrence. Like, I don't really feel like any of these players are someone I can't live without because they just haven't won. And Saquon Barkley was the second overall pick and was supposed to lead this franchise to success. And it's not his fault. Believe me, I'm not putting the blame on him. This team has been mismanaged. This team has been horribly coached. This team has been completely mismanaged in every way you can mismanage a franchise. He's had no help with the quarterback position in my estimation. It's been bad for Saquon Barkley. It's been unlucky for Saquon Barkley, but at the same time, he's been injury prone. He's missed a bunch of time. And quite frankly, he just doesn't impact winning enough for me. Not for a second overall pick. And as we look at the draft this year, right, and people are going to tell you whatever the Bears do at the, the first pick or you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. is an impact player, and sure, wide receivers can be that. Defensive, uh, offensive tackles can be that. Defensive ends can be that. No question about it. They can impact your team in a, a huge, huge way. But there's only one that, for me, that impacts it on that the kind of level where I want my first or second or third. I want a quarterback. If I don't have one, I want a quarterback. And running back was a just—it was a terrible pick, and I feel bad saying that because he's a wonderful player. But it's a terrible pick. It was a terrible pick the second they made it. The second they made it, and then he told us—you know—Gettleman told us he's touched by the hand of God. He's destined for a gold jacket. All that, you know, fluff. And he's a great player, tremendous player, and a special guy. I've I've had the pleasure of of meeting him a few times. I had the pleasure of uh, I filled in for Craig at Giant Camp a few years ago. I had the pleasure of talking to him and interviewing him. Uh, tremendous person. I have no doubt that he's important to this team in a myriad of ways, uh, and and in no short terms the 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 room and the clubhouse. I think he's a a great guy, but he's an injury prone running back on year seven. I, I don't give those guys contracts, no matter how good they are. I just, I, and he's not McCaffrey, right? Has he, he hasn't, and I know McCaffrey has the great offensive coach. McCaffrey has a great offensive line. McCaffrey has, uh, you know, the great quarterback. McCaffrey has a perfect situation. McCaffrey has been a dominant force. McCaffrey plays a game, he scores a touchdown. That's how it works. Saquon Barkley, as great as he is, has not been McCaffrey. And he has not impacted winning nearly enough to justify another contract. That's just how I feel about it. It sucks. It's unfair. I feel for him. He's been given a terrible, raw deal. The Giants have completely done him wrong. The Giants weren't in a position to draft a running back second overall and to be able to help him. Like they weren't good enough to help a running back. They weren't good enough to put a running back in a great position. You know how I know? Because he balled out his rookie year. He was incredible. He was everything you could have asked him to be. 
besides maybe some early on blitz pickup, the kid played the running back position better than you could possibly play it. He was phenomenal his rookie year. And they lost, and they lost a lot. And whether he's been recovering from injury or whether he's been one of the better backs in the league, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. So I appreciate him. As a Giant fan, I respect the hell out of him. And I hope he stays next year under the franchise tag. But he mentioned in that cut Marco just played that sometimes franchise tags can be placeholders for contracts. I do not believe it will be for the Giants and Saquon Barkley. I just don't think it'll be. I think it'll be a, it'll be a franchise tag. That is the wisest and smartest and best thing to do for this team. And unfortunately for, for Saquon Barkley, that's what Joe Shane needs to do. That's what I expect him to do as a Giant fan. And that's what absolutely needs to be done. Giving Saquon Barkley a contract doesn't make much sense to me. It doesn't make much sense. He's going to make more money. I don't. He doesn't really have an answer other than holding out. And I don't want to say that he he hurt that um, that ability in negotiating because he didn't hold out last year. Maybe he'll hold out this year and treat it differently. I don't know, but he's not. He's not going to want to not play. He doesn't have an option. And then he'll be a free agent next year, and he'll be able to go wherever he wants. But I don't think it's ever a smart idea to then give a contract to a running back who's been in the league eight years, who's already had an ACL injury, who kind of misses time every single year with a high ankle sprain or whatever the case may be. And that's unfortunately part of the reason the running back value is where it is. These guys get banged up consistently because they they are they were they are fed to the lions they are constantly given the ball they are constantly asked to take the hits they get hit on every play they're picking up blitzes they're doing every, like they are getting its contact on every play they are he is you know he is the focal point of the offense who gets beat up constantly and then they turn around and tell you sorry you're not valuable because you get hurt all the time because we constantly run you it's a it's a it's something that we you know we it was obviously more of a talking point Last year and will be again come uh, free agency time and offseason time. And guys like um, Eckler and some of the other running backs in the league will have to figure out some way or try some way to get in the new collective bargaining agreement something designated for running backs. Or maybe they could work it as in, you know, guaranteed money for touches or, you know, better franchise tags or or options for one-year deals, more money less palatable to a franchise if someone touches the ball 100 times or if someone carries the ball this many times. Like, they're going to have to figure something because it's tough to be the focal point of the offense. You get beat up, and then they tell you you're not worth it because you get beat up. Well, that's because you're beating me up. But that's exactly what I would do with Saquon Barkley. So as he talks to the media today, and he makes it seem he understands exactly what this is, a business. It's exactly what it is. It's a business. He understands it now more than ever, and unfortunately, especially, and let's be totally honest here, like you could look at it two different ways. If they're drafting a quarterback, now again, I don't know if he's going to start this year. I think it's very likely that Daniel Jones still is the starting quarterback even if and when, when they draft a quarterback. I don't know if he's going to start, but 
as much as Saquon Barkley could be a leader and someone who could be, you know, uh, an easy outlet and someone who can benefit a young quarterback at the same time, I'm not paying Saquon Barkley to be on a losing team, and that's probably what they'll be next year. Next year is year two of the rebuild. This was year one. You forget year one. Right? It's almost like the Jets this year. You're going to close your eyes and pretend like this year didn't happen. For the Giants, you're going to close your eyes and pretend last year didn't happen. And this was year one of a rebuild, and now you get the quarterback, and you go about your business, unfortunately for Giant fans. But they play a game on Sunday that I know I heard Keith say, and, I, and I'm and i not sure. I got, The idea that they're locked into a draft position, they are not. They are 5-11 and 11, tied with the Chargers in Tennessee. Nobody's playing. I know Tennessee uh, is going up against someone who needs to win, but the Chargers are playing uh, a, I, I believe, the Mahomes-less Kansas City Chiefs. Anything is possible. I am not taking the risk of losing one single draft slot. I hate losing to the Eagles. I hate it with a passion. And I'm very familiar with it. And I want it to end. So this is going to be the hardest ask of me ever to watch this game knowing that what's best is to lose against the Eagles. It's going to be very difficult for me. I might even slip a few times and catch myself cheering something positive for the Giants. I might even slip and find myself celebrating a touchdown and doing the very popular touchdown dance with my son, which is really just picking him up and putting him down going, touch down, touch down. You got to see it. It doesn't come across on radio. I might even slip into a touchdown dance. I don't know. But ultimately, I know what's best for this team. And it's not beating the Eagles in a meaningless game, probably to both of them, considering the Cowboys will probably beat Washington. I'm not doing it. I don't care, not for one slot, not one. Would I rather lose and be five or win and be six? I'd rather lose and be five. Say what you will about me. I don't care. I'm not messing around. I need the quarterback. I might need to trade trade up. I'm going, I want that slot. That's it. I'm taking the fifth. Taking the fifth. 877-337-6666. McMonagle here with you. All right, a little bit of football. We'll get into the Jets, obviously, as more and more fallout from the Aaron Rodgers interviews. We talked about it yesterday. He needs to just stop. He needs to start playing football, and he needs to stop talking. And the Jets don't ever do themselves any favor when the coach talks either. The coach, the Jets just shouldn't talk at all. Maybe that's a good idea. Just stop talking. Sit this one out, champ. Sit this one out. Because nobody wants to hear how you could have done better with Zach Wilson. Not today. Not right now. As he unfortunately is not out of concussion protocol and will miss his third consecutive game. And you have, la- you have seen the last of Zach Wilson in a Jet uniform. At least that's the the one positive, I suppose. I hope he's healthy and everything, but at least we give we could fi- definitively say we have seen the last of Zach Wilson in a Jet uniform. Can he be better somewhere else? Maybe, but it won't be here. And for at least that part of it, I'm 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 somewhat satisfied because I'm tired of that conversation. We know what he is. I'm tired of all the Zach truthers out there trying to go out, and I hope he's great somewhere else and people can use it against me. Fine. I hope he's. A, I hope he goes somewhere and is phenomenal. I hope he goes to 
Uh, I mean, you know, Minnesota, right? What did the Boomer says Minnesota. There's a lot of people who say the Chiefs, wherever. I hope he goes there and he's phenomenal. I hope he's the best backup quarterback you've ever seen. And that's what they'll tell you. Oh, he's changed. Oh, you should see him in practice. This kid's got real talent. There's no, I understand exactly why he was drafted second overall. And then he'll play in a game and you'll see exactly why he bombed out in New York. The fan is better when you're a part of it. Call us at 877-337-6666. Powered by Paramount Plus. Stream the NFL on CBS live on Paramount Plus. All right, so yeah, I looked into it um, and quickly did have a, a big game for Toronto. Obviously starting for them, so is Barrett. 20, uh, yeah, 26 points. Oh, I thought it was 33. 26 points, 5 for 8 from the 3 point, 8 for 18 overall as they beat Memphis. 116 to 111. Listen, quickly, quickly might, you know, if, if given more time, putting in a, you know, being a starter, playing more, not being kind of blocked a little bit by Brunson, you could see quickly emerge. There's no doubt about it. Quickly is a, a talented scorer. Um, and you might feel pretty sick about it watching him flourish in Toronto, but still, the Knicks are better off for it. It's a, a better situation for the Knicks. You'll miss quickly, but what we've seen these two nights, I feel much better about. 877-337-6666. Let's get to your phone calls. We'll get to the Yankees and the Mets offseason a little bit. I've I've changed my thoughts a little bit on the Yankees starting rotation and I still am puzzled by the indifference of the Mets fan. Stuart in Brooklyn, what's up Stu Pot? Who's that? Who's that play you, you Who's that girl? Na, 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 na. What's up? Oh, who's the play you changed your mind about? Oh, you're asking me to, you know, give up my goodies. Oh, come on. Oh, come on, man. All right, man. All right, no, it's okay. Yeah, no, I'm, I've, I'm starting to, I'm starting to, uh, kind of thaw on the idea of, of going with Snell. I'm starting to really think that it makes a little bit more sense than I thought it did. I've been against Snell. He doesn't give a lot of innings. Um, I thought Montgomery was a better fit. But as we're starting to get closer here, you're starting to hear rumors about it. There's some thought that maybe, maybe he'd be interested in a higher value contract, shorter years with an opt-out involved, something along those lines. And just the more I think about it, the idea, he's good friends with Judge, and the idea of getting both Cy Youngs. Now, it didn't, it didn't really work out the last time we went out and tried to get an MVP in Stanton, although I think it's worked out better than some would intimate. But Yeah, uh, because he's been... Center in the postseason. Yes, and and still, just overall, he's been better than people. He's not been the MVP player they traded for, no doubt. Uh, but considering what they gave up and what he's been, I don't think it's been that bad a move. Uh, it's more about what he's he's hampered the ability to do other things. But anyway, the idea of going out and getting this the a multiple Cy Young Award winner who is really difficult to hit and having that combination at the top of the rotation is starting to make me feel better. But I think it's just me playing games with myself because they need to go do something. And I'm, I'm starting to get worried that my fear is going to come true. And my fear was 
that they, the, they were only going to do that one minute yes. thing with uh, a phone. That was my fear. My fear oh, was yeah. because people are saying now, and, you know, there's a, a thought process out there that, hey, do you know there's only like two teams in the American League who haven't spent a dollar in free agency this year, and the Yankees are one of them? I understand the Yankees haven't spent a dollar in free agency. They traded for Juan Soto, Verdugo. Like, they've added money to the payroll. They've changed the team, and they offered $300 million to Yamamoto. So let's not act like the Yankees have sat on their hands here. They haven't. And it's not like a bunch of guys have gone a bunch of different places. The Yankees are are, are right there in the mix. They, they've already added Juan Soto. They've added Verdugo, and they're looking to add a pitcher. But my thought with the money was... My fear, considering next year how much money they're going to have to give Soto, is that they deemed one pitcher worthy of a big contract, Yamamoto. And if they were going to miss on Yamamoto, they were going to pivot to lesser lesser players. Now, you heard they offered about uh, $8 to $10 million to Montas. He obviously got double that to go to Cincinnati. Uh, but he's not worth $16 million. No, I mean, he's not, but they need another pitcher. And I don't know if Montgomery's worth 180, but he might get it. And I don't know if Snell's worth 200, but he might get it. Montgomery wants 180. I, I mean, he might. He's going to want big money. Yeah, he's going to want more than hey. Rodon. I would say uh, Snell. Right now, who knows? I would, say, I, would, I would agree with you on Snell because he does give. He might not give a lot of innings, but he don't. He doesn't give up a lot of runs. No, he doesn't. He doesn't give up a lot of hits either. He's he's an excellent pitcher. He's an excellent pitcher. He just won the Cy Young. The, the, you don't have to say more than that. And right. and and Stu, I, and thank you for the call, buddy. Um, I just I wasn't sure on him. He sounds like a West Coast guy, right? He's from Seattle. Um, he's a West Coast guy. Him and Judge are buddies, which maybe plays into it a little bit, especially with how much we think Judge has say inside this organization. Um, but as we start to move towards it, like, and I'm I'm debating to myself, I think Montgomery's the better fit because I trust him to go deep. I trust him to give them more innings. I feel confident that he ages better um, than Snell. And I've just always thought that Montgomery was the better fit, but at the same time, I don't think if, if I'm going to go on this premise, which I've gone on for the Yankees, that 2024 is the most important year. Like I, this is the year. Not to say you give up moving forward or whatever, or you know you don't plan for the future, but I look at it as they have Soto for one year. You can't go out and trade for Juan Soto and only have him for one year, and go get Verdugo and only have him for one year. You can't make those moves and then just allow this rotation to be coal and question marks. Now, even if I feel the question marks might be, you know, leaning towards the affirmative more than some people do, like I fully, I'm, I think the question mark of Nesta Cortez isn't that big a question mark as long as he's healthy, which to me is the question mark. I think he's a good pitcher. I think he'll be fine. I think Rodon got off to a miserable start and had multiple injuries and was trying to justify an enormous contract in New York and was miserable that the team was losing, he wasn't playing, and then it just never got going for him. I fully expect, and call me crazy, if Rodon is healthy to start the year and his back isn't an issue and his arm isn't an issue and his forearm isn't an issue and his shoulder's not an issue or anything else, if he's capable of having a legitimate offseason – and he's capable of having legitimate spring training, and he starts the season healthy and with the team, I don't see any reason why Rodon can't be 
at least close to the pitcher he was the last two years, which is an excellent starting pitcher. So, yeah, it's Cole and a bunch of question marks, but two of them right off the bat I feel pretty good about. But if I'm being honest with myself, however long a contract these pitchers get, whatever they do with Juan Soto next year, I'm sold on 2024 following a miserable 2023 that this is the most important year for the Yankees in the next five. Like, I need to go out there and... And I understand they need to win a championship, and if they don't win one, then 25 becomes the most important year. I get that. And you have to go out and get Juan Soto and, and re-sign him. I get that. But I don't know if that's going to happen. I have to treat this year as the year I'm going to go out and make sure I'm one of the favorites to win the World Series. And that's why I'm so high on trading for a uh, trading for Bieber or trading for Burns. Like Those are the guys I want ultimately but if they don't have the package to do that, if Pereira and Cabrera and maybe another light pitching prospect somewhere further down the line, an A-ball or something, if that's not going to get you a Burns, because I saw the the, the trade uh, for Dylan Cease uh, that um, what's-his-name put out for SNY, and I'll tell you something right now. I ain't doing that, that's for sure. I mean, they want to, you know... Um, you want to give up Dominguez for Cease? No, thank you. So that is not something I'd consider. That's that's a trade that's out there from Jim Duquette on uh, on Baseball Tonight put together a, a trade package. And, uh, yeah, Dylan Cease for Jason Dominguez, Chase Hampton. You know, no thank you. Chase Hampton, Will Warren, and uh, Brock's uh, Selvage who's their 11th overall prospect. So they're Dominguez, who's their second overall prospect, Hampton, their fourth overall prospect, Will Warren, their eighth overall prospect, uh, both of them right-handed starting pitching prospects, and then a left-handed starting pitcher, uh, Brock Selvage. No, thank you. Not for Dylan Cease. No, thank you. So if those are the kind of packages, now Dylan Cease has years. So that's not, that's not for a one-year rental. That's for a controllable pitcher who apparently had the most swords in baseball last year which I guess is a new stat for awkward swings. So he he had the most bad swings in baseball. Most hitters took bad swings off Dylan Cease. He's got good stuff. The is okay. I think he's a very good pitcher, you know, hopefully hitting his prime. I'd be interested in him, not for that price. But I'm all in for 24. So if it's Burns, if it's Bieber, whomever, I'm all in. So if I ask myself and I play that game and I'm trying to be honest with myself, if I'm saying self, you consider next year the biggest year. Next year, what pitcher gives the Yankees the best chance to win a championship? To put with Cole at the top of that rotation. Which pitcher next year gives you the best chance? And if I'm being honest with myself, I believe that's Blake Snell. I believe he's the more dominant pitcher than Montgomery. I believe he has more swing and miss stuff. I believe he has more dominant stuff. I believe as great as Montgomery was in the postseason, and he's a gamer, no doubt, and obviously the most famous um, thing that uh, happened to Snell in the postseason is being pulled too early in a World Series game. Both have pitched well or at least have memorable starts in postseason play. But for me, if I had to like take a gamble on who was going to throw a dominant shutout kind of you know dominant performance, although maybe with Snell it'd be five, six innings max, I still think that's Snell. 
I still think Snell is the more likely guy to throw out a dominant start because he's got better swing and miss stuff. So if if I'm taking it in that vein, which I have to be honest with myself, that's how I feel, then it's hard to just dismiss Snell for innings or this or that, and especially if he's willing to take a shorter-term deal with higher money or at least a deal with an earlier opt-out. I, I would be into it. Now, I don't know... At, at his age and the amount of innings he already throws, I'd be surprised he'd be willing to take a lesser-term deal. I would think this is where he wants to have his bag. He just won the second Cy Young. I can't imagine him being willing to take a lesser deal, but if if those rumors, and that's exactly what they are, if those rumors are fairly true, or if there's something going on there, I'd have to be open to it. And right now I know they need a starting pitcher. They just do. And I don't want it to be some run-of-the-mill average, like, you know, you make a trade for a back-end-of-the-rotation guy. Sure, it helps. They need innings. And right now they have either Beater or somebody else, you know, Luis Heal or whoever as their fifth starter. And you can improve that, no doubt. Or the kid they traded, his name escapes me, the kid they traded for uh, with the, the Cleveland Guardians as maybe he could be your fifth starter. I don't know. But, yes, I'd like a better option than that. But, ultimately, I want a top-of-the-rotation guy. I want a 1-2 at the top of the rotation to go with my 1-2 in the middle of my lineup. That's what I want. And if I'm being if I'm being truthful, Blake Snell is, that, is the better two to Montgomery. Dave in Brooklyn. What's up, Dave? Hey, listen, I agree with you 100%. Everything you just said, ditto. Um, you know, the Yankees cannot fool around. I mean, you're, you're right about that too. There's just no way. If they, if they're going in without Snell or without a major addition at this point, they are really just setting themselves up for like an 88 win season, 90 win, um, whatever it is. Well, that's probably good enough to get into the postseason. Well, even if it is, is it good enough to go far in the postseason? Yeah, and I, I, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I think they need that starting pitcher. I'm playing devil's advocate with you. I still, I, I do think they need the starting pitcher. And I think when you go and get Juan Soto, and you know it can be a one year deal, you have to go out there and not just settle for that 90 win team. I agree right. with you, but my point is that 90 win team can. I mean, if if those question marks in the rotation are answered in the affirmative. Are you telling me that this team can't be as good as the Arizona Diamondbacks? Because it can. No, no, but that's but, but I don't look at it from the bottom up. I look at it from the top down. Right. I look at the teams, right? Well, I agree with you, and that's why I want to be the favorite. I, and they wouldn't be that. That I agree with. They wouldn't be one of the favorites to get to the World Series. But my point is, going into the season last year, I don't think we would have said the Texas Rangers were, and we certainly wouldn't have said the Arizona Diamondbacks were right up until the point they beat Philadelphia. So right. I, all, all I'm saying is, is a 90-win team that gets you in can still get you where you want to go, but it's not good enough. I'm I, I'm not saying it's good enough. I'm just saying right. don't, don't you know don't make it seem. You, I thought you were going to say it sets them up for like an 82-win season, an 88-90-win season gets them mm-hmm. in the postseason, and then if Judge and Soto go off, mm-hmm. why not? Mm-hmm. Why not? There's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot of potential, but it's like you know maybe uh, maybe I'm being too you know maybe I'm just. Um, well, I'm looking at for. I mean, I know this is a little crazy, but I'm no, just saying if the, if the well, if the Dodgers could spend a billion dollars, yes, you guys, <laughs> amazing, yeah, on almost yeah, a billion on two on two players, yes, right, two guys who you know 
I mean, you know, I mean, come on, you know, anything could happen. One of these guys could get hurt. One of these guys, you know, Yamamoto could not be who they think he is. Sure. It's like, so, yeah, so, so, I don't know, man. I, I like Bellinger. I still like him. No. I, I, no, you don't like him? No, I don't like him. And and yeah. now there's no, I mean, what what would you do with him? And if you did, if you did that, if you, uh-huh. if you brought him here, you have to move somebody because you can't have uh-huh. all these outfielders. How about first base? And and you're just gonna give up on Rizzo? I mean, I suppose, but that's yeah. it. What do you do? Just bench Rizzo? Yeah, I mean, I, like, I mean, you, I, I understand your point. I mean, I, I could, I could sign him for an like that was the that was the point of Bellinger was maybe outfield for a year and then the replacement for Rizzo next year. But I got thirty million, I got twenty something million dollars lined up in Rizzo. I don't feel like having, you know, Rizzo be a bench player. Now, ultimately, that might be forced to happen if the play if his play suffers but i can't go into the year and go spend a ton of money for a player that's had one good year in the last three and spend 200 million dollars whatever it's going to cost to get him and and have that player put rizzo on the bench or put verdugo on the bench i'd have to move one of those guys if you want to tell me there's a place where you can you could trade verdugo or you could trade rizzo to a team that's desperate for a first baseman i don't know maybe but I don't like the idea of surplanting him, and that, that's a lot. And putting him on the bench—that's an expensive ben- bench piece. Who's been still pretty good, despite you know, other than the the second half of last year with the head injury, he was on up until he got hurt. He was on pace to have another great year. He had th- you know, thirty home. He's a thirty home run guy. He's been pretty good. He hasn't been great, but he's been pretty good. I'm not benching him. And plus, I just don't trust. It's a lot of money for a guy. I just don't trust. I just I just don't trust Bellinger at all, and I know I, I don't want to get over analytical because everyone hates analytics, and I'm not saying it's the be all end all. But this is this is a stat that I've never understood the problem with. I think people get hung up on things. People get hung up on it being involved in the broadcast. People get hung up on it when it's still being talked about when it's an out or something. But the idea that you know, exit velo or hard hit rate is somehow like ridiculous. Is it makes no sense to me because you could say whatever you want about old school baseball. You, I don't, I don't think there was ever a time in baseball where it wasn't better to hit the ball harder. I mean, that's what you're trying to do. You're trying to hit the ball hard. That's what that's baseball's always been that. All right, so maybe it's obnoxious how many times they throw it at you or how many times they give it to you in a stat cast when they tell you how far the ball went and how hard it came off the bat and all you're looking for is a bloop single with a runner on third and you're like, oh, great, he hit a line drive right to the third baseman. I don't care if it was at 105 miles an hour. I get it. But ultimately, when you are looking and grading a player or when when someone in the Yankee farm system says all they care about is hitting the ball hard, I, I get it. I get it. That, yeah, you know, bloop single helps, but how do you teach a hitter to be really good at bloop singles? Like, ultimately, you want someone who who consistently hits the ball hard. I mean, that's the, so I, people get so hung up on that. I'm like, really? You're upset the Yankees care about hitting the ball hard? I mean, that's that's what we're trying to do. You're trying to hit the ball hard, no? Yeah, I, don't turn a 400, uh, 400 hitter away because he doesn't hit the ball as hard as you like. Fine, I get it. There are limits. But you're trying to hit the ball hard. And unfortunately, 
And, and I'm not saying it's the be all end all. Again, he's a good player. He's won an MVP. And that MVP season was dominant, by the way. And he did hit the ball hard. But over the last couple of years, including this last one where he was good, he doesn't hit the ball very hard. So I'm, if, and if he was just great all the way through, it would be less of a thing for me. But he's been bad, like really bad, like really, really bad. Besides one year, and even in that year, he didn't hit the ball very hard. I'm not sold on him. I'm not sold on him. And I hate to use analytics and that kind of thing to to justify it, but that to me, hitting the ball hard is not analytics. Uppercut swing, all right. You know, launch angle, all right. Those are analytics. Hard hit rate, that just seems pretty logical to me. You want to hit the ball hard? You want to hit the ball hard more more times than not? You want to get the barrel of the bat to the ball? Do you think Ted Williams disagreed with that? you think Ted Williams somewhere in his book said it doesn't matter how hard you hit it? He didn't try and get the barrel to the bat? That's That's the game. That's just more of analytic blame. It's just like it's offensive line and analytics. It's my it's the two easiest things to blame. It's very simple. Anything wrong with a football team is the offensive line. Anything wrong with a baseball team, analytics. We've just we've fallen into that path. We have absolutely just fallen into it. We've been we've been trained like Pavlov's dog. Bad, bad teams offense sucks, offensive line. Yank, uh, Yankees offense sucks. Analytics. Too analytical. Nothing but analytics. It's ruining the game. I played. Nobody gave me any. I didn't get any analytics. It's an easy blame. So I don't really like. Uh, I just went on an analytic rant. I used. Uh, I, I apologize. I apologize. Because I just used this poor guy to justify a analytic rant. Shame on me. Shame on me. 877-337-6666. But no, I, I'm, I'm not a huge fan. And right now, there's no real room for him on the team. And I'm not spending $200 million on him. Well, let's see. Eric and Ron Conkham wants to talk hard hit rate. What's up, Eric? Hey, C-Mac. How you doing? Good. How are you, buddy? All right, good. Uh, look, uh, as far as this topic here, I mean, look, I, I agree that there are certain things that I wouldn't say necessarily need to be known. Sometimes it would be nice to know. But I'll, I'll give you an example here, okay? The, the the reason why I say analytics are a little over the top here, right, is there's no need to for every single time someone hits the ball right. to say what the velo is. Right. Okay, because I, I, I'll tell you, up until they started coming out with this thing, not once, literally not once, did I ever, I mean, you know, Let's let's say a Piazza home run. Right. Did, did I ever wonder how hard or how fast the left the station? I mean, well, you know, some of these guys they hit they hit the ball. You know, just from the sound of the bat in the ball that that ball is gone. But not right. once did I now now maybe how far it went. Right. You know, is always is always oh a hundred percent because the same people who tell you they don't care about distance are the same people who have a picture of Mickey Mantle in their house and the dotted line showing that it almost it would have went out of Yankee Stadium and how far right. he hit the ball. The all, the same guys who will tell you they don't care about distance are the same guys who worship Mickey Mantle and tell you, oh, he hit it five hundred and forty-seven feet. It landed. Look, right. here's the direction of the ball, like all that. So please, uh, yeah. Now, but your point about it being rammed down your throat, I agree. And the other thing is it's typically sometimes brought up on outs 
and justifies players' slumps. And nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that Gary Sanchez is 0 for his last 22, but he's hit the ball hard 17 of those 22 times. Yeah, nobody, right. nobody cares. And so that's part of it, right. too. Like right. it's, it's brought up, yes, in the home runs and stuff like that, but it's also brought up to justify slumps a lot. And I think people don't want to hear that. Nobody wants to hear, and, and Gary Sanchez is the guy I think of, because Gary Sanchez would hit into these, and, and the Yankees would use it in justifying him, saying, hey, he's hitting into bad luck. He hit the ball 120 miles an hour six times last week, and he only got one hit. Like that's They'll try and use that as justification of, of poor results. And that's yeah, what bothers, I, and that's what bothers people. But for me, when I'm and and again, I'm sorry, Eric, your line is is a little uh, fuzzy. But for me, when I'm grading a player, or I'm building a farm system, or I'm trying to build an offensive player, it's not the be all end all. And in certain situations, runner on third, less than two outs, runner on second, you know, nobody out. Sure, you want to see a ball hit the other way. Or you want to see a lefty pull the ball to move the runner over to third. You you want to see a less of a hard swing and contact made and trying to drive in that run and not strike out. There's a time and place for everything. But if I'm building a hitter, if I'm scouting a hitter, if I'm making a judgment on whether or not to give a hitter $250 million, the idea that hard hit rate should not be taken into account or should be it's it's ridiculous that you would even consider that he hit 300 he drove in 85 90 runs who cares about the hard hit rate i disagree i think it is something to look at and certainly the yankees get a lot of blame through their farm system whether it's guys who went through it and you know come out of nowhere to do a podcast and kill the yankees farm system or whatever the case may be like the idea that they value how often so, and it's not even necessarily how hard. It's 105, 108, 112. That's part of it. But consistently hit the ball hard. The idea that a team would value that, look to improve on that, reward players who do it, like, it boggles my mind that that upsets people. Like, honestly. And I understand in certain situations like when you're building, there is something to be said about, like I said, getting a base hit, driving in a run. You want to you want to learn how to drive in runs. There's something to that. But when you're going through the lower levels of minor league baseball and you're trying to develop hitters, I kind of understand where you're just focused on getting good at bats and trying to hit the ball hard. And and sometimes it's okay, great. When you're grading out at bats, all right, you drove in the run with a bloop single over the first baseman's head, but you got jammed on a 3-1 count. I didn't love that. Like, I, there is a mix to all that. Like, you got a 3-1 fastball and got jammed. Yes, you blooped one over the center field, uh, over the second baseman's head, and you drove in the run, bravo. But ultimately, when I'm building a, a hitter, a 110-mile-an-hour line drive right at the third baseman that I absolutely ripped, when you're judging the hitter, it's 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 not crazy to say this guy had the better at bat than that guy. When you get to the major league level, it's completely different. You have to drive in the run. I get it. But we also need to understand what you're doing when you're building, developing, and 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 trying to uh, assess hitters. And I do think that the idea that Bellinger doesn't hit the ball hard anymore despite having a very good year for Chicago, weighs into my decision. And it doesn't help that he's been awful three of the last four years. 
6666. McGonagall here with you. Two hours down, one more to go. We'll continue to take your calls. Talk a little bit of Yankee and Met hot stove. And again, the Mets. And I love Sal. It is not smart to do nothing. Not always. Sometimes it is. But it is not always smart. And I can't imagine how we can feel like the Mets have had a smart and well-thought-out and well-run offseason. I just can't imagine it.